Hello everybody and welcome to this week's official Everton podcast. I'm Darren Griffiths and I'm here at USM Finch Farm in the company of Ian Snowden and also the manager of Everton Ladies, Andy Spence. And Andy, we'll start with you. It's a terrific week to have you in, given the news that Phil Neville has been appointed the manager of England Ladies, which we perhaps didn't see coming, did you? No, initially, uh, I'll be absolutely honest, it was certainly not one of the names that was talked about early on in the process, but... Um, you know, brilliance. You know, I think us as a football club, we know a lot about Phil and his qualities as a captain here. It's you know certainly right for me to say that the national team of England have have made some real big strides over the last um, two years in particular. You know, uh, World Cups and European Championships got to the latter stages. Obviously, World Cup got a bronze medal. So. Uh, the, the, the seniors have done really well, um, but this will disappointment will bring um, more interest, no doubt about it. And as you say, expectation levels will go up. But I think there's a group of players there who genuinely feel like they're on the verge of maybe converting semi-finals and runners-up positions into winning positions. So there's a the best group in my opinion, anyway, in terms of where the national team's been at um, for Phil to go in and, and work with and. It's key that the the person who comes into the role is is going to be someone who will take the team forward essentially, and, and as you say, someone like Phil will will certainly take every opportunity to to look at things and see what actually goes on well. Because I think, as I say, there's a lot of good things going on within the the um, setup, but also what he can add importantly. And um, it's a, it is a big appointment, important appointment. You know, it's the national team job, which at any um, level, whether it's men's or women's football, is a huge honour, and um, I can see it really being an opportunity, as I say, for for England to really go on now and, and convert those near misses um, into you know gold medals. It's uh, certainly an interesting one, Snods, isn't it? It really is. Uh, it did surprise me when his name got mentioned with uh, the England ladies, but knowing Phil Neville, as you, as we know, Phil Neville does that he, he will give it everything he's got and. Uh, I think it's great for uh, for women's football mm. that uh, a player that's won everything in the game. Uh, he's made so many league appearances. He's dedicated. He's a dedicated professional, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's a great scout for the uh, England ladies, and it's great for Phil because it's a big stage now. Mm. Uh, ladies football, uh, not only the Premier League but internationally now. Um, so Phil's on a big stage uh, managing the England ladies and, and I'm sure that's where he wants to be. Great captain for us, wasn't he? Yeah, he was terrific. Uh, not only on the field, um, but off the field. I know a lot of lads uh, spoke highly of him, Aussie, Ibo, Jags, etc. When he were in that dressing room, he got things sorted. If, if people needed to go in the community, he made sure that the rotor were right and they had to do certain things. So, yeah, that's what a captain's all about. Not only tossing a coin up and putting the armband on, he's doing other things off the field. And he was, he was first class at that, was Phil. As you say, Snods, Phil Neville was a great captain for the players. He was brilliant for the staff as well. He was mm. terrific for us in the media department. And it's an all-encompassing role, I suppose, isn't it, the captain? Did, did, did you enjoy the captaincy of that? I did. I got a, a young age, as I got an 18-year-old, uh, perhaps too early. Uh, I'm saying too early. Obviously, Billy Bremner was the manager at Doncaster, and he thought that I'd got the captain's ability at, the, at that time. 
but I just felt that there were a lot more experienced players uh, than me, which there were. My brother <laughs> were there to start with. It must have been daunting. But it was because we got some good experienced players. Alan Warboy springs to mind. Mm. Warby were 33, 34 and uh, he'd been around the block. He played hundreds of uh, league games and there, basically, I'm like talking to him as though I'm his skipper and I, I just used to sit back at times and think, is this real? But I grew into it. Um, by 1920, I was I was captain material. For. Did you want the job, or was it a case that you, it's, this is Billy, gave Bre- it this me. is Billy Brem that I can't? Yeah, say no. no you, whatever he says, you, you just do anyway. But I felt I was too young. Uh, I really did. But then, after the first season, I thought, yeah, I'm I'm liking this. And and then I went to Leeds, and Billy came then and made me captain again. Uh, Colin Harvey saw captain's material in me he made me captain when I when I was at this club so uh, he's great it's more to as I say just tossing a coin and uh, and putting the armband on the captain I most used to look up to was probably Brian Robson I thought there's everything in a captain he's Mm. boisterous uh, he leads by example He, he has a tattle he takes a tattle and when things are down, that's when you want to see your captain, when, when things are not going well. It's easy to be a captain when things are going well yeah. and going, come on, let's keep it going, etc. But when things are not going well, the team's getting beat and you're getting beat two or three, it's then that you've got to show the rest of the players that, hey, I ain't stopping. Watch the captain, he, he's all at it. So, yeah, I think the captain's role is a big, big role, I do, in a football club. And you had a big decision to make, didn't you, when Michelle left the football club? Yeah, you know, obviously Michelle done a, a great job for us. Um, and again, you know, a lot of things, Snodgers touch on what, what you want from your captain. And we had two or three players, I suppose, who, who fulfilled, if you like, those requirements. Um, but obviously we went with uh, Daniel Turner and, and Danielle, without repeating what Snodgers said, really encompasses all those good qualities. Someone who's got the respect of the, you know, the rest of the dressing room is important. But someone who's been, you know, a, a real good leader, you know, when they haven't been captain as well, and, and converting that over to then having the captain's armband, a good communicator, has a good, obviously, relationship with myself as manager, that's important. Um, and the key thing is they have to make decisions that benefit the whole group. You know, it's not a, a personal thing, it's not always about them, and, and they've got to make decisions that will help the team move forward and certainly from Danielle's point of view she's really took on that role and did that affect their performances at first um no because uh, I think she's actually one of our oldest players she probably won't um, thank me for saying <laughs> that publicly but <laughs> she is um so I think she kind of in the background um alongside Michelle there was times maybe we'd had friendlies and stuff like that so she'd step up um, and Danielle's a different type of leader you know it's not just such about Brian Robson who almost had every part mm. of um, mm. those leadership qualities, but Dan does tend to lead by example a little bit quieter in terms of maybe mess- final messages in the in the dressing room before we go out for things. But in her own way, she'll get round the players and support them. So again, it's, it takes a lot of different qualities to be a good captain, and, and there's not one size fits all when it comes to that. But she certainly has the key qualities for me and, and understands the journey as well because Dan which people seem to f- forget and I don't again I don't think she likes me reminding people mm-hmm. but again I'm going to do it publicly she she was a reserve team player for six seasons so she had to get through to our first team the hard yeah. way and mm-hmm. and that's you know takes says a lot about a person mm-hmm. you know could quite easily have thrown a hand in but she at the time she was behind some of 
you know, some of England's best fullbacks and Rachel Unit and then Alex Greenwood. So it was um it was a long time in coming for first team opportunities, but she's took that opportunity and then, as I say, blossomed into someone we're really proud to have as our captain. The role of the captain snods appears to be changing, evolving all the time. I mean, these days, the captain tends to be a, a go-to person after the mm. game because there's that many immediate obligations to fulfil, as you know. Mm. If we lose a game, if it doesn't go well, we turn to the captain and say, you're going to have to take one for the team yeah. here. Whereas in your day, it was more, go and see the club secretary, find out if we're on a crowd bonus, find out what we're, what we're, having, for, what we're having to ease on the coach. Yeah, like you'd have a say in, in the contract uh, of your bonuses. <laughs> you really would, uh, on, on your right, crowd bonuses win bonus, the captain would go in and try negotiating with the, with the secretary. <laughs> not, not very successful. <laughs> imagine me at 18 going into Billy Bremen and saying, the lads want to rise. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. But uh, yeah, but I, I don't think there's, on a field these days, there shouldn't be a captain. You should have five or six captains mm. uh, wanting to go out there and, and, and take responsibility. So, uh, but yeah, I think off the field, I think the captain's responsibility it is big at a football club. And uh, you're right, uh, I see it week in and week out with our media lads. It is tough when you get beat and you're asking certain players to come and they don't want to do it. And Phil Jagielka, I think he's been excellent in that yeah. department. That Super. He's always come out mm -hmm. and talked to the cameras and always get his honest view. And I think uh, I think Phil's been a great captain for Everton Football Club. There's more and more media coverage for the women's game now, Andy, isn't there? We spoke about Phil Neville before, and that will only enhance the media coverage. We've got our own Rachel Brown, who's on BT. She's sitting alongside you, your Chris Suttons and other former players reviewing the games as they happen. Every little bit helps, doesn't it? Of course. And um, as you say, the likes of Rachel, it's great tuning into you know Saturday afternoon and, and seeing her on the t TV and. Um, sharing obviously her thoughts on the game and um, like we've already spoken about football's football so again Rachel has got vast amounts of experience both domestically and internationally so it's really nice for her to um, to be given that opportunity to um, talk about you know the men's game and, and again it shows you know in terms of barriers which maybe have existed in the past they're, they're not existing nowadays which is nice to see and there's a lot more of the former female players getting mm. involved in um, your, your traditional programmes, if you like, that have only had maybe um, male reviews of the game and stuff like that. So it's great, and, and as you say, it, it brings more credibility to where the, the whole of the women's game's at. And it certainly is um, something that I think will go from strength to strength. We enjoy watching Rachel on the television, someone we know well doing well, but she's not on the telly as much as her husband snods, is she? She isn't. I've been, <laughs> I've been uh, watching him this morning, actually. I was up... Uh, Four o'clock this morning, watching uh, the golf from Abu Dhabi, and just explain who he is. Yeah, it is. He's Tommy Fleetwood's uh, caddy, Ian Finnis. Uh, he's doing fantastically well since he took over on on Tommy's bag as well. I think it's uh, the best move he's ever made. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's uh, the big pals, and Tommy wanted his pal on his bag, and since that they haven't they haven't looked back. And uh, as I say, I woke up this morning, put the golf on, and there he is, Tommy Fleetwood leading again, mm. uh, and Big Ian's. Mixing with the big boys because the three ball was uh, uh, Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy as well. And I'm seeing Big Ian giving Dustin Johnson <laughs> I-5. I'm thinking, behave yourself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's, uh, I, I, I think Rachel's a great girl. She was a fantastic goalkeeper for country and uh, Everton Football Club. And uh, she's doing ever so well now in the media. But uh, yeah, her husband's doing... Uh, Doing remarkably well, <laughs> and he's a big Evertonian, Tommy Fleetwood, is. isn't he? He is, yeah. And and as I said, it's brilliant for Ian. And 
Um, I know Rachel promised me an even bigger Christmas present next year <laughs> um, if they carry on with the form they've had. To, but I think it all kicked off from last year as well, didn't it? The whole Abu Dhabi and the Dubai mm. tour. So fingers crossed it's another successful year and we'll all get a nice bottle of red wine <laughs> off the bridge. <laughs> Should've got a case, shouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I was at the BBC Sports Personality of the Year Awards snobs before Christmas. Tommy Fleetwood was there and he went largely under the radar mm. compared to some of the other sporting stars who were there. Now, he's got a very distinctive look about him. Mm. He's Europe's number one golfer. Why wasn't he getting pestered for autographs? That's the way he likes it, apparently. Do you know what? He's a, he's a so down to earth. He's a, he's a great lad, and uh, the lad, some of the lads have played with him on Royal Birkdale, mm. Aussie, uh, Diamond, Sharpie, etc. But you get what you see in Tommy Fleetwood. He's so down to earth, and even you listen to the interviewers and you listen to the commentators, and they're always saying what a down to earth lad he has. He's got time for everybody. Um, and, and and you can see that the, the players that he goes out with every week, you can see him talking to them all the, all the time. They had a young boy teeing off today, 13-year-old with them, and uh, he hit a great shot, uh, the young lad, onto the green, and he, he went inside Tommy Fleetwood and Dustin Johnson on a par three. But then he had McElroy and Tommy Fleetwood walking down with the lad, having a laugh with him, talking to him. That's what he's all about, yeah. and you see him in you see him in Birkdale Village, uh, you see him round Southport, and he's got time of day for everybody. Let's just finish with a bit more footy talk, Andy. What's the uh, priorities? What are the targets for Everton later between now and the end of the season? I think to to really continue what has been a, a real good transition to um, full time professional football life for us back in you know WSL one. Um, we've got a real good young hungry squad who want to get better um, and I think every game has been a genuine uh, opportunity to learn and find out more about us as individuals and as a team um, so obviously we've got FA Cup starting on the 4th of February we're back at our old stomping ground up at Marine so that's evoked a few nice memories and conversations with some of the girls not many had old enough to remember us playing back at Marine um, albeit only five or six years but that shows you how young our team is um, but we've got obviously ambitions for the FA Cup and, and listen the league wise again we want to go and compete and, and there's certainly nothing I've seen first half of the season to suggest that we, we won't have a good second half of the season like we have grown into the first half of the season. Let's hope it's a good second half of the season for Everton ladies, for Everton's first team and for Phil Neville as well. We wish him well. You've been listening to Ian Snowden, Andy Spence and me, Darren Griffiths on this week's official Everton podcast. <laughs>